0: I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out
1: there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Uh, Happy Game 1 of the second round to everyone in these wide open NBA playoffs. If you've been watching, and you don't get the impression that the Lakers at least have a shot, I don't think you've been paying close enough attention. But every day is going to matter, and it's fragile, right? It's something that could all – an injury, knock on wood, or anything like that, right? We know – with the journey of these last couple of years, how precious this opportunity is. And as we said yesterday, the basketball gods have blessed us with a Lakers versus Warriors, LeBron versus Steph, all that great stuff. If you want to hear part one, this is kind of a two-part preview pod, listen to yesterday's pod. We get into the Lakers defense against Golden State a little bit more, uh, the rotations, the matchups a little bit in that respect. We're going to flip the court in this pod today and talk a little bit about the Lakers on the offensive end of the 4-D. And as I've I've said about game six against Memphis being kind of this truth-revealing game. One of the main things to me was the amount that LeBron was used off of the ball, the degree that the Lakers relied on their skill guards to kind of run the offense and go through them. D'Angelo Russell was phenomenal. Uh, But really how the Lakers attacked was different than any other LeBron team that I've ever seen in a really crucial game. And they're going up against a Golden State team That is, are really the godfathers of switching in the NBA, I would say, one through five. And Memphis went to way more switching starting in game two of that series. And the Lakers are in such an interesting spot with this new roster that they don't get a lot of reps about, oh, this is how we're going to attack switches. This is how we're going to attack drops and blitzes. And so there's been a certain degree of like learning on the job in which I think that the Memphis experience in switching against or and going against their switching and they have good defenders. They have a really good rim protector, probably better than anybody Golden State has in terms of shot blocking, at least. Uh, but those reps kind of on the fly, I think, are going to be super helpful. So you've watched Golden State for years and years and years. They have a slightly different roster this year, but talk to us about how they switch and the problems that they pose in doing so.
2: So I think it's important to recognize that the Warriors will switch in order to try to shut off a lot of your your actions, but don't always rely on switching everything. And they don't often switch it to disadvantageous situations. Right. And so there are times where I think you'll watch like the Clippers play and like Kawhi Leonard is on Kevin Durant. This happened a bunch in the first round. And then suddenly here comes, I don't know, man, Josh Okoge to come up and set a screen on Kevin Durant. And whoever was guarding Okoge Terrence man it's like now Kawhi would give up that switch and he'd give it up fairly easily just because switching was their base defense and the idea is to switch everything all of the time and the Warriors aren't like that they don't have to switch I think that they would prefer to not switch actually a bunch of times if they can avoid it, particularly because they can't effectively switch one through five and survive without doing a bunch of stuff on the back end in order to try to compensate. When Steph Curry is on the floor or when Jordan Poole is on the floor, they don't want to switch at all. I don't think they will. If both those guys are on the floor, they might switch the other three positions. Right. Like if, or they might switch weak side exchanges between between guards that like. But on ball actions, they're going to try to hedge and recover back. Very similar to what Memphis did with John Morant at the point of attack. Mm -hmm. And so and then if they do switch Pete and they do get Steph isolated against like a bigger player like LeBron or ad for example then steph will do his best to stand those guys up he will battle he competes defensively but a lot of times then what you'll see is they will shade behind that and they will send early help or if there's sort of a break in the action where it where guys are trying to spread out on the weak side in order to optimize That isolation play, Draymond is so smart at calling Steph out and scramming him out of the switch, and then Steph will run somewhere, and then there will be other actions around it. And that's that idea of them – like we've been switching for five, six, seven years with the same core group of guys when you talk about Draymond, Steph, and Clay, that – there's a lot of institutional knowledge around that stuff, Pete, and so I don't expect the Warriors to switch a ton in on-ball actions with LeBron and where they might pull in Steph Curry or or pull. But I do expect them to switch a little bit more where it's like a LeBron AD pick and roll. This is like, OK, well, now Looney, you're on LeBron and Draymond, you're on AD because that's a comfortable switch. And we saw Memphis do that a bunch. And I'm super interested to see how the Lakers handled that sort of switching, where it's like almost same size switching. And the advantage now isn't natural necessarily and how do they pinpoint where that advantage exists if one exists at all and what do they go to out of that and and so I kick it to you with that sort of setup because that's how I see some of these offensive possessions going for the Lakers.
1: No I certainly think that's the case and the way that the Lakers have tried to attack those is matchup hunt but like you said Golden State is phenomenal at switching out of scramming which is which means that like there will be that initial switch and then somebody else say Steph ends up on LeBron or AD you know somebody else will come over and switch with Steph who's off of the ball usually one pass away to make it all work and so that stymies that overall action and the way that the Lakers have usually attacked that has been to isolate with either LeBron or AD it's been a more AD more and more lately and I think that that is what Golden State wants the Lakers to do is especially yes. if they can get Draymond matched up with him. that I think Golden State's <laughs> going to consider that a win, a post-up one-on-one AD against Draymond. Now, in a couple of the games where we played them, LeBron didn't play, Delo didn't play. And so it was like, well, that's still the best thing you got. You got to meet your – Yes. you our best guy against your best guy. Go one-on-one. But I'm curious, what what do you think about – we were talking about this a little bit before we started, but – There's a cumulative size and skill between LeBron and AD that a team like Golden State has gone against one guy like that on a team in the past, and maybe you could. Maybe there are other instances that I'm not thinking of right now, but two guys, LeBron and an AD, and with one of them being a perimeter power ball handler, I think that you can scram and switch and, and do all of this great this this stuff to help mitigate the disadvantages that you can give up in switching if it's happening in two different places from two different power type of guys i think that can be complicated for for them so what's your thought on on that kind of uh that combination of those two guys
2: no i definitely agree and this is where having two-sided actions and having m- multiple guards who can run screen screen actions and have lebron be this flip player where he can be a ball handler in a screen and roll or he could be a screener this is where i think the Ability to force the types of switches that Golden State doesn't want to surrender. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if they're going to involve LeBron as the ball handler as much. So one of the things LeBron used to do, and this was this happened way more in his time with Cleveland, because when he's been with the Lakers, his main scoring partner has been Anthony Davis, which is another big guy. And he hasn't really had the guard support that he had in previous stops. But one of the pet actions that the Cavs used to run is they'd run a screen and roll with LeBron and Kyrie where Kyrie was the ball handler. Mm -hmm. LeBron would then pick off that smaller guard. Kyrie, who is very good at stringing out his dribble and and sort of like dragging a defender with him, would basically dribble far enough away or create the sort of separation where like the guy who got screened wouldn't have the opportunity to recover back in time. And that's when LeBron would turn and pivot and he would then establish a post up 20 feet away from the basket with the switch that he wanted. And that's where I envision some of these switches happening more often, Pete. And this is where I think AD as a screener, as a as a primary screen setter, is going to be important. I mentioned this in in. Um, the pod after the game six win where we were just sort of celebrating the win. And and I was talking a lot about D'Angelo Russell and and the game that that he had. But a couple of the possessions that I highlighted were possessions where Memphis switched off of an AD ball screen. Mm -hmm. And it was because D'Lo was playing with better pace coming off screens in game six. And he had really all series. And I think that this is important towards forcing switches. It's can you engage – the other defender in a way where you make him stay with the ball. And D'Lo doesn't do this a lot. He likes to put guys in jail. He likes to come off of screens very slowly and probe. But when he was looking to turn the corner and AD was setting good screens and rolling hard, then it's like, okay, you've got those two things working in tandem and they were forcing some switches. And D'Lo hit AD with a couple of nifty passes for easy buckets around the basket when the guards really couldn't stay with AD on the roll and the big wasn't up well enough in order to sort of disrupt D'Lo's passing angles. And this is where if Golden State is going to have to make decisions, I think defensively about how much they play in a drop and how much they are going to concede to the types of ball handlers that are really skill guards that the Lakers have not had in the past against, um, against their sort of base defense. And so I want to ask you, Since we're talking more about the Lakers offense, and you even talked about in the Memphis series how much more of a load D'Lo and Austin were carrying as primary offensive initiators while LeBron was working as as an off-ball player, do you see that – do you envision that continuing – against a Warriors team? And how do you think the Warriors are going to handle skill guards where they have to go over the top like they will against D'Lo and Austin? Will they play up with Draymond? Will they play up with Looney? And then what does that look like with AD and LeBron as rollers versus them as being more in the center of the frame as ball handlers or post-up players?
1: Yeah, I think the big problem with them in their drop coverages is AD is the over the top threat. One of the very minor storylines I thought on the court of the Memphis series is there were several misconnections on lobs to AD, which is why that lob where he just annihilated JJJ oh, man. was so satisfying, like for many reasons. But although, like Jackson to me is their best player and he was the guy who talked the least crap. Anyway new series. Um, that part of the reason why it was so satisfying is that they had missed on like their last four or five lob attempts to AD, where I'm like, AD is still a vertical threat, right? And I, <laughs> yeah. I just needed to see yeah. one, right? I, <laughs> yes, I just needed to see one and, and and boy, did we. And so the thing about on those switches, I think d though becomes super important because he can make those passes into those tight windows. And like, part of that is when you, co- when you coach against a switching defense, one of the things you tell your players is, you know, switching equals slip. There are a lot of slip screen type of opportunities. And if you, uh, at the moment of the switch is when the switch is the most vulnerable. And if AD just reverse pivots and, puts out that target the way that he did, the way that you were just describing. Dilo's really good at making that pass right on the dot. And with both Looney and Draymond back there is part of why I think Kuminga at least will play a role in this series is that AD can get inside position. So he has advantageous position as it is, and then put his arm up, his opposite arm up and just like throw the ball up here. And yeah, maybe they can, they swarm AD, but it's not Jackson at the rim. That's going to be defending those shots. And if they put too much pressure down there, it's a kick out to D'Lo or Austin for a three right there, right? And so that to me is – Against the switching, I think that the precision passing of D'Lo in particular is going to be super important to exploit that switching. And then in the drops, like Austin's ability to hit that little floater in that mid-range, that's tailor-made for those drop coverages. The way we ended game one against Memphis with Austin just going nuts down the stretch on the same play over and over, that was against that drop coverage where it was – he was too deep. If that big man comes up higher, D, that's where those pocket passes for the role man for LeBron. Yeah, I love that you brought up roll man LeBron right there, lob threat AD, and that's going to be Draymond or Looney on a backpedal. That's a hard ball to get to. And so I just think we, that if we can get the guys on the move, the star players in particular, and I think this is the key point, if we're stationary in half court, like Golden State's going to eat you up defensively. If we can get the athletes on the move, I think we pose a lot of problems for them.
2: Yeah. I also think too, that one of the ways in order to get into a defense where you have some size advantages and athleticism advantages, right. Um, and, and I want to talk about this more in the second half, half of the pod, when we talk about, um, some of the bench groups, right. And, and, and what those bench groups might look like, but a lot of where you can get advantage is on ball reversals and then quick dives and quick cuts and quick dribble penetrations, right? Mm-hmm. And 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 so one of the ways that LeBron was scoring in game six against Memphis was because he was an off-ball worker, they were running pick and roll actions with AD and Austin and D'Lo. But when the guard was looking to turn the corner and AD is getting downhill, as freely as, as he is, that sucks in the weak side wing, who, who would sometimes has tag responsibilities, but that guy is guarding LeBron James. And so LeBron is such a good cutter that when that guy Mm. turns his head or he takes a step into the paint, LeBron is moving with him and is looking to cut right in the wake of that defender sinking into nail or help responsibilities. And so this is another way that you can leverage LeBron's athleticism without him having to beat his man because I think the Wiggins LeBron yeah, matchup is going to be a is can be a pivot can be one of the many pivot points that exist within this series. And Wiggins has always gotten up to play LeBron in the same way that like Brandon Ingram has always gotten up to play like Kevin Durant or the way like and there are countless examples of this throughout history. But, you know, like Wiggins and LeBron have a history. Wiggins was drafted by the Cavs in the offseason in which LeBron went back to the Cavs. LeBron, as behind the scenes Rumor mongering goes like LeBron was basically just like, Look, this dude plays my position. You could trade this dude and go get me a different dude. And they did. They traded him for Kevin Love. And a championship was won. And no hard feelings for anyone, but maybe some hard feelings for Andrew Wiggins. Right. So I'll be so Wiggins always gets up to play against LeBron and his ability to sort of score. Um, But also like he will defend LeBron hard and finding ways to get LeBron downhill where he doesn't have to use a live dribble or a post up in order to power through Andrew Wiggins. I think that that's going to be super important. But let's go to break here, Pete. And and on the other side, I want to talk about another power wing that the Lakers have at their disposal, whose name is not LeBron James, who I think can be a critical player within the series. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. So Pete, of course I'm talking about Rui. And one of the more Devastating groups that the Lakers have been able to go to is any combination of their three guards, right? But with a front court of LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and Rui. And Golden State doesn't have a lot of answers for a player like Rui within the context of their bench groups. Golden State has been playing a lot of smaller bench groups. They've been playing three and four guard groups. Moses Moody has found his way into the rotation. Dante DiVincenzo has been... Has been a rotation mainstay you had those guys to guys to pull and clay like kaminga had fallen out of the rotation just like you like you said i agree with you here i think he's going to find his way back into the rotation maybe even to match up with Rui sometimes but talk to me a little bit about what you see from Rui in this series particularly in from this idea of bigger stronger faster which i think is going to be super important against this warriors team
1: yeah in that spirit of it being team wide too, and kind of a combination of like having one too many guys when you're smaller, this has been a topic that if you've been listening to this pod in uh darker times where we've had really small groups and there's a way to win when you're smaller than the opponent, it's harder. You got to fly around and there's, but there are ways to eliminate some of the disadvantages of that, but to do that, It's it's the cutting in the wake of the help defender. It's the you can do it to a point, but if there's one more athlete that enters the fray for a put back layup or a cut, then they become really hard to stop. And Rui is exceptional at that. And so it's that three-level off-ball scoring, but also the feel as a cutter, the running of the floor in transition, like it's funny, we we will agonize over the details in half court all of the time. I think this is going to be a huge transition series for the Lakers. Oh, I yes. think that we Agreed. got a big, big advantage there. And I'd even throw Vando into this as well for similar reasons as Rui of just like run the floor, be a big athlete. He's had really good games against Golden State as well. And so it's just that eventually you break. If you're at a certain level of disadvantage in any aspect of the game, you can hold on and basketball has so many levels to it that, yeah, maybe you're disadvantaged in this one place, but you can make up for it elsewhere. But there comes a certain point where it's just too much of something that it really complicates the game for you. And to me, Rui and Vando are both of those players in different ways, in different lineups, but the bench units are super important. And I want to stay on there too, because that's the part of the game where I'm most worried about Looney and wiggins right like that athleticism the idea of Wenyan and i love Wenyan, but like if it's one-on-one looney's gonna fold them up and put them in his pocket you know and so Rui's important there too. Like tips and balls away, sandwich rebounds. I was watching the Sacramento Golden State game. Like a guard needs to drop down, like help out Sabonis if it's one on one. You're gonna it's gonna happen over and over again. So I'd love to hear just your thoughts on on Rui with the bench groups, but also Looney and just the overall you know minutes without AD.
2: Yeah, this is where I'm interested to see what Steve Kerr does, honestly, because Rui's going to play. He's going to play in these lineups with well with LeBron and AD. And then at that point, it's up to the other team to decide how they want to try to counter that. Mm-hmm. Right. So do they go Kaminga and play bigger? Right. Do they keep Draymond and Looney in? Do like how do they adjust their front court rotation? Do they play Jermichael Green? Do they just basically put a bigger sure. guy out on the court?
1: They could go smaller, right? Like one of the ways that I think they can attack Rui is as a perimeter closeout guy, right? It's one yeah. thing to close out to the perimeter because he's really more of a four. Um, yes, but it's one thing to do that against most teams. It's another to do it against Golden State, and there are sometimes he'll kind of take an uh, he'll take a false step or a wrong route to a three point shooter, and if you do that against Golden State, like you're you're going to be in trouble.
2: Well, this is where and this will this is where I want to I'll bring in a name. That I think is going to be important for Rui, but it's also going to be be important for Austin and for D'Lo in some of these bench groups as well. And that's Gary Payton Jr., Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so one idea that we didn't talk about yesterday when we were talking about the Lakers' defense against the Warriors' offense is the Warriors actually, for such a great shooting team, the Warriors play a bunch of guys who are not shooters. Yes, Right. And so the idea of minutes with like Kaminga on the court or Looney and Draymond on the court or Kaminga on the court. Right. Or Gary Payton Jr. Or I'm sorry, the second. On the court, these are players who are not jump shooters, and the Lakers have typically f- feasted defensively when mm-hmm. they basically are allowed to leave one of these to leave any player open and use that guy, put size on that player, and then have that player be a, a rotating guy in lineups where it's like Rui and LeBron and Wenyon, for example, and Wenyon is on, and let's say Looney is in the game, but but Draymond is not. Right. And on. So let's say Wiggins is in the game. So could Rui guard Wiggins? I think Rui would guard Wiggins in in that case, but maybe LeBron does. But Mm -hmm. one of LeBron or or Rui is going to play defense on Gary Payton. Right. And that means that guy becomes a roamer and that guy Mm -hmm. becomes the guy who can sandwich rebound and tip away some Payton's going to crash. Too, so you sure. have to account for him, right? But what I'm saying is, is that if you can play, uh, if you can keep a 6'8 guy on the court against even a super athlete like like Peyton second, then you start to be, hopefully you can then manage the backboards a yeah. little bit better. And that's an important, this is where I think Rui defensively can stay on the court when they try to spread you out. Right. While also saying like, OK, well, now offensively, can we go to him in the post or as a release valve? Yeah. Can he run in transition? Can he cut behind defenders? And then now he's just a big dude finishing at the front of the rim against a team that is smaller or has AD on the court with him or Wenyon crashing the glass. There's a lot of collective size that the Lakers can throw at the Warriors that I think is going to matter offensively as much or even more than it matters defensively. And the way the Warriors have typically tried to get bigger players off of the court is by spreading them out and making them run and then defend. But and maybe they'll be able to do that to these Lakers. Like, I th- I think that that's an open mm-hmm. question still, right? Um, especially when it comes to fouling and, and like playing up in screen game and a lot of decision making on like chasing from the backside. There's so many aspects of this that that are important. But if the Lakers can do any of that stuff reasonably well at like a baseline level, I think offensively they're going to see the benefits of of that size way more when typically you think of size being an aid to you defensively and that's going to be the push and pull I think of this series I wanted to throw another name out at you though because I think he's going to be important both offensively and defensively and this is going to be now for bench units that involve Steph Curry and that's Dennis Schroeder so Dennis, I think, is the Lakers' best lock and trail defensive player. He is the best guard at getting over the top of screens, and he plays with relentless motor defensively. Offensively, he's also their best downhill guard. He is the guy who attacks the basket with the most ease, and he's the guy who is also most comfortable, not most comfortable, but is very comfortable playing in the mid-range with a pull-up jumper against a drop coverage as well. Talk to me about Dennis and what role do you think he has in this series? First of all, offensively, but then also hit some of the defensive stuff because we didn't bring him up in yesterday's pod.
1: If it's okay, I'll start on the defensive end because- Yeah, please. um, He's the number one guy that I'm most concerned about his legs, right? He's somebody who really competed hard throughout the year and- a lot of the wins in the middle of December and January that you, people barely remember, but absolutely contributed to the final total was because Dennis Schroeder was playing as hard as he possibly could. And there have been a couple of times down the stretch of this season. And remember, they gave him the last week of the regular season off, which I thought was a great move, but he's somebody who's uh, struck me as being near the end of his gas tank. uh, uh Maybe not end, but it's a concern that I have. And when you have to guard Steph Curry, if you don't have your legs, that can be a difficult thing, right? Now, I think that it's more likely to like he only averaged like 4 points a game in that uh series against Memphis. I think that particular issue can be a bigger problem when you're going against a strong player yes. um, rather than somebody that you're chasing around like like Steph, but I mean Steph presents presents, you know, just tremendous challenges on that front. But on the offensive end, his ability to get downhill and into the teeth of the defense, Vanderbilt did some of this too where you watch the games against Golden State and Dennis was right in the middle of the action offensively with his Slot drives, you know, and his dump-offs had a great, great lob to AD on, in one of the games. And uh yeah, that to me, that downhill nature and he can be the perimeter version of Rui in that, like we had it defended until that last guy came in yeah, to the picture. Yeah. But it's funny, like, as I hear myself talk throughout this pod, I'm like. I'm optimistic, like I'm very positive and very like I see the good in this for the Lakers sure. to a greater degree than than uh, than even the last series. So, I'm like you're trying to caution against some of that. Yeah, not not trying to. Ca- I mean, they're the Warriors, man. They're the defending champs. They haven't lost in ten years, right? And so. It being so on that side of the ledger, I'm I'm, I'm like, what am I missing? What are, this is something that I've I felt for a couple of years that our our size and athleticism and just athletic gifts would give them problems, but they're the champs. So I'm looking for more things to argue in in their favor, I suppose. No, so I mean, look,
2: there's no the the old pop saying about like um, appropriate fear, right? Mm-hmm. And there's a ton of that when it comes to these Warriors, I could rattle off six, seven, eight things where I'm just like, hey man, like if this goes this way and I could see it going this way. I need to hear a war- few of them. Yeah, so we were just talking about Dennis. Dennis can be super turnover prone when he's getting downhill and looking to pass out. He's also... Someone who hunts fouls against a defensive front court that is going to get the benefit of the doubt when they're inside challenging shots. So if Dennis starts booting the ball around the court and spraying the ball out, those lead to transition opportunities Mm -hmm. against a Warriors offense where the last thing you want is them playing in transition, particularly against a Lakers team that is going to try to attack the paint and play on the offensive glass in order to leverage their size advantages, right? And so what's the way that you beat a team that wants to offensive rebound, Pete? Like once you get the ball, you race it the other direction.
1: One of the right? things we started doing against Memphis in particular was it was just AD back there. And then they had to put two guys on him to box him out, which will hopefully yes. slow down their transition game. But yeah, that's that's how you beat that is is you run out on them.
2: Yeah, but also it's just like one of the things that the Warriors do very well is that... Draymond is essentially their point guard, but he starts at power forward and plays a ton of center. And so he is their best grab and go player. They outlet the ball to him. And so when he's getting rebounds, there's no outlet. There's no waiting. It, just go. It's, it's It's all go, 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 go. And then they, you want to talk about running principles. Darvin Ham has talked about running principles all season. No one has better running principles within mm-hmm. the context of what they want to do offensively within the scope. And within the context of their larger ideas offensively than what the Warriors are going to do in terms of their running habits and running deep corner and running deep corner and then crossing baseline side. A lot of teams don't do that anymore where you actually have to track guys that are changing ends. Steph runs up one side of the court and he's looping. Yeah all the way around. And then he's circling all the way back up to, to the top of the floor in order to get a handoff. And then after he gets a handoff, he throws it back to the player. He got the handoff from, then he runs a dribble pitch and then Draymond flips the screen. And then he runs a screen and roll going the other direction. And suddenly you're like, holy shit. I just ran. how much did I just run? (laughs) And I got screened three different times by Draymond Green, right? Just to, and then if AD is below the level of the ball on any of those or whoever is guarding Draymond, it's like Steph's going to get
1: up and open three. Like, how, how high, is, real quick, how high do you think AD is on the screens?
2: I think AD is going to play like a half a step below the level okay, to start. And I think that he's going to see how comfortable Steph is pulling the trigger on these shots when it's Anthony Davis. There, Right. And if you have to inch up higher and inch up higher, I trust that they will make those adjustments. I hope those adjustments come early. I do not expect the Lakers to like trap Steph at the point of attack the way that the Kings were. Um, although if they do do that, I trust LeBron James on the back line.
1: Yeah, I think that's a like situational in maybe last five minutes of, you know, maybe before, yeah. but yeah, not not the whole game
2: so we'll see like i expect the lakers to be aggressive with steph i expect them to be up right but not all the way up where they are over committing res- not it's hard to say over committing the four resources on on three to draymond,
1: right like you were talking about this yesterday where draymond has the ball in the middle of the floor and it's a 4 on 3 situation that's a bad spot
2: well also too it's just like the warriors just dealt with the same exact strategy with against the Kings. And what they started to do was set screens with Looney. So that would be putting LeBron in the action, putting Draymond on the wing. And then they were doing the old Orlando magic style where if go back and watch tape of the 2008, 2009, 2010 Orlando magic, where Dwight Howard would set the screen in a screen and roll. And rather than throw the ball directly to Howard, They pitched to the wing, and then the wing would throw a direct entry into Dwight after Dwight dove, and then Dwight would get a ton of easy baskets inside. And the Warriors were just doing a ton of that to Sacramento. And so they have counters to all of this stuff, Pete. not the first
1: time they've seen any of this. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Yes, right.
1: They've been playing the same way for 10 years. That to me is why Anthony Davis is such a central figure. On defense, because there is no scouting that there is no like, oh, we've played against that before. The time you did before was against Anthony Davis, right? And, yes, uh, that did not have LeBron or or this kind of team around him, right? And so that's why he's the the he's the the rule breaker. He's the guy who can yeah. get them out of what they do, them being so entrenched in in what they do and having counters for everything. He's the one that they. They don't have, you know, tons and tons of reps of experience against.
2: So I know we've got a couple of more minutes before we, well, before we wrap this up, I want to get back to the Lakers offense a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, because one of the ideas that is a double-edged sword a little bit, but teams try to do it and they try to do do it a lot, is they try to attack Steph on mm-hmm. defense. Like, oh, you're their best offensive player, so let's make you work on defense. And we talked a lot about who we thought the Lakers would defend, but we didn't talk a lot about who we thought the Warriors might defend. I imagine that they start Looney on AD. I think they start Wiggins on LeBron, and I think they start Draymond on Vando so that he could be a helper. hmm between the guards, who do you think Steph defends and who do you think Clay defends?
1: I think it's probably Clay on Dilo and Steph on Austin, just because I think that that's what it's hard to cross match a ton, you know? I think, mm-hmm. and I think that's what we're going to do. Do you see it the
2: same way? I kind of do see it the mm-hmm. same way. I'm just interested because Austin's been taking on so much more ball handling responsibilities as the initiator. And I think that whoever. Steph is on is going to be the guy who plays a lot in pick and roll, and I'm just wondering. We haven't talked a lot about Austin or D'Lo on offense to to this point, but they're going to end up being critical figures in yeah. whatever the Lakers do offensively. And so, before we wrap up, just give me you know 30 seconds or a minute on each of those guys or one of those guys to in terms of what you think is important from either or both of them.
1: So I'll end up at at D'Lo and Austin, but I think the. What underlies a lot of this is, to me is the idea of, of fatigue and, and, and we were talking about this a little bit yesterday and it was like, yeah, they're playing they're you know, they played two nights ago. They don't have any, you know, a ton of rest. It's not really about that to me so much as it is the transition game and the open court type of game and the, the fatigue game, I think really favors the superior athletes, not necessarily the superior basketball players, but I think that that is an area where the Lakers have a great deal of advantage. And one of the ways that you can really press that on another team's best player is that whole adage of making them work. The problem with that is a lot of times your player is not good enough, right? The guy that is your number one player yeah. on offense is hiding on somebody that they really don't have to do a whole lot of work against and that's where having both Austin and D'Lo in the starting group I think is really important in that like run the offense through whoever's step is guarding and he's one of the most supremely conditioned athletes of all time right so like this is a this is a, a tall ask but I think that we're uniquely positioned to make him work every single possession in ways that I think will have a cumulative effect. And I so I think that on offense, both D'Lo and Austin being able to operate on ball and off ball well, we have four guys in the starting lineup that are both on and off ball players and are both very good at both of those things. And so – You can attack certain weak points in ways that other teams can't because they just don't have the personnel for that. And so that idea of the skill guards is also going to be really important when a smaller team is collapsing into the paint and looking to take away that athletic size. Those are kickouts to open three-point shooters because you've sucked all the defense in. So I actually think they're going to be huge figures offensively in this series. I'd love to hear your thoughts on them.
2: I agree, but only to a point because one of those guys also has to guard Steph and that's likely going to be Austin. Mm -hmm. So my concern with Austin being relied on to do Do heavy lifting offensively is that if he's chasing around Steph, how much legs is he going to have for playing in drop coverage and everything else, right? Also, too, like one of the things that... I expect to see at some point this series, I just expect to see it at some point, is Draymond defending one of Austin or D'Lo for a big stretch of the game while Steph tries to hide out on, like, Jared Vanderbilt for a little while to see how that works out, right? Like, can Vando then get to the glass? And Steph is a competitive dude. He will body you. He will box out. Steph will do all of the fundamental things defensively. Right. Because he's not going to do the spectacular things very often defensively, but he's going to do his job. So if his one job is to camp out on Vanderbilt in the corner and then box him out once a shot goes up, even if he has to face guard him, guess what? He's going to box out Jared Vanderbilt. He's not going to be a guy that gets lost. And doesn't do his job. Mm-hmm. And so these are all of the little wrinkles that I expect from a super experienced head coach in Steve Kerr and someone who has been through the grind multiple times as a championship leading coach as well. And, and so I am super excited about this series. I'm also super anxious about this series and I'm super in- interested just to see how this group of two teams with these strengths and these weaknesses and these sorts of answers for each other and the way that they're all going to try to exploit each other's flaws like I I just can't wait to see how it all plays out my guy
1: should be a great series we're so excited very uh, grateful that Lakers are in this position all right Lakers play tonight we will be back tomorrow to discuss how it went but until then, you've been listening to the Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time.
2: Danger's got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front,
1: broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. And Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's good!
2: And the Lakers win the game! The Lakers win the game! Three seconds left. That Exel to win it. It's on the way. Good! Tommy Bryant, 48 points,
0: 16 rebounds with his eighth block shot that ties an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP There's chance right, in, Boston, in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe, hard to believe. Are you Not kidding it. me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game.
1: Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell.
0: There's the move. Two, one, missing. One, victory. It's over. And shot popping out of five. Bryant. Yeah. And that was a little tap to Alvin Gentry.